Hi, I'm Rebecca Pigeon, and you're listening to Sticky Jazz. The opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, a man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. This week, I have the uh, Hoboken, New Jersey uh, trio. They are called Wild Carnation. They uh, re-released just uh, this coming week here their 1994 album called tricycle with uh, some more uh, demos in a live in hamburg germany set they have a really great sound they're a spin-off of the feelies and uh, one of those bands that you'll go wow why have i never heard this stuff so uh, i'm kicking this one off with their song the state you're in and everybody let's all sit back and enjoy the sticky jazz If I die, 
everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks, and this week I have Wild Carnation, uh, probably the almost greatest band out of New Jersey. I mean, we got, you know, but Tom Waits, right? We can't, you know, but still a fabulous band out of New Jersey. And uh, we were just talking about punk rock polka. So let's continue on that for a minute because Brenda just said, polka and punk rock go hand in hand and i thought oh i gotta get this on the show so continue on with that thought please so i i did say that yeah. uh well like yeah like the pogues right uh, I, I can see the energy in polkas and the energy in punk just uh working beautifully together i would okay. go see a polka punk band i they are fantastic that that band ruskaya they're they're great they're just weird like they'll be singing in English, German, and Russian, right? Wow. And and everything that's tacky about all three cultures will be in their videos. They are just amazing. <laughs> like it does not get better than that. If you want cheesy, tacky Russian icons and cheesy American, whatever, it's all there, man. So you you know, <laughs> Ruskaya, but. Uh, no, so here's here's how it goes, which I, I always say this about your publicist, right? That guy, not name dropping, but you know who I'm talking about because we yes. all love that guy. Okay. I always say about that guy, so, you know, if, if I said I needed a left-handed punk rock polka tuba Zydeco master, he'd say, oh, I got just that guy. You know, like your, your publicist, man, he has like the most eclectic, weird group of, of musicians that he works with. He's always sending me just wonderful, weird, beautiful people. And uh, this one, you guys, you guys were quite surprised because I knew the feelies. Okay. I knew the feelies because you can't be a Velvet Underground fan and not have been given the feelies to, to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's just, there was, oh, well, when you run out of Velvet Underground music, go turn on Ultra Vivid Scene or the feelies. That's just kind of how the conversation goes. But he's like, well, these guys were a spinoff sort of of the feelies. Brenda was their bassist, man. You got to check them out. I can't believe I never heard this. But then again, when you did this record of Tricycle, I was actually in Germany missing out on everything. I was doing my Mormon mission in Germany as a monk, right? Couldn't even listen to music. So that's why I totally missed out on <laughs> Wild Carnation. And I, man, I would have loved to have gotten into this when the album first hit, man. This is... It's a very good record. Thank you. Were Thanks. you in Germany in 97? I was there from 90, uh, let's see, end of 93 till the beginning of 96. So December oh, 93 what? till January 96. Well, you could have seen us in Germany. I pr You probably could have. You wouldn't believe, like, I, was, I, I wasn't allowed to listen to music, right? Like mm. Mormon Tabernacle Choir was about it. And and so I'd be walking the street and I'd see on the poster that, you know, REM and Pink Floyd and all these bands were coming. And I'm like, I, I can't go and see any of these concerts. <laughs> Look you away. Know, although I, I, I did sneak in and meet one of my favorite bands in, in one city. And I, I sat on the balcony and listened to another stadium show in another. So I... I at least got to, you know, experience that. But, mm -hmm. you know, the things you do for your religion, right? Um, wow. Right. Uh, not anymore. I'm I'm done with the, the Mormon <laughs> business. But uh, um, what what made you guys decide? So the re-release of this record, this is 30 years. 
and well 29th right because it came out in what 94 right right well um recorded in 94 that yeah i think it came out in released 90, in 95 95 I think. okay because the, the the stamp on on the youtube channel says this was 94 okay yeah that's that's the the year that's being um uh pegged okay to, uh, maybe maybe chris, chris you have some insight on this Mm. <laughs> it was so long it, ago. It was ninety four. It was ninety four. Okay. Yeah. See, I had hair in ninety four. I mean, not much, but you know, now it's just. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm wearing this hat as to not blind you with the, the glare off of my head. I'm being polite here. Um, but well, so what made you decide to re-release it like this? And is there any remastering or any of that tweaking going on? Uh, I've just been diving into the record for the last couple of days just thinking, wow, this is some fantastic work. Just a, a, a very fun record. But uh, talk about that for a minute if you could. I, I, I had a good time listening to it. So it was remastered for this, this re-release. First time on vinyl. Well, I came out on CD when it was first released. Uh-huh. That's well, vinyl funny. always sounds sexier. Not to interrupt you, apologize for that, but vinyl is <laughs> always sounds sexier. So, mm. right, and then there's a lot of with with this with the record store day release. There's a lot of um, extras. There's a uh, digital extras rather. Okay. There's, well, we mentioned we played in Germany, so there's about an hour plus worth of songs from a German a concert in Germany in, in Hamburg. In Hamburg. And <laughs> and then there's also um, that's where I was oh, living. Oh, oh no way! Well, true story. No, I I lived in Hamburg for two years. Well, Hamburg area, yes, for two years. So, I I I was in the same town as you were. Fantastic. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, then, well, yeah, what did you play? Grosse Freiheit. Where did you play at at uh, in Hamburg? Uh, 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 don't have it on. It's um, Knust. Knust. Kunsthalle. The Kunsthalle, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, yeah, I know that place in Hamburg. Yeah, I've been there. So it's a it's a line recording, um, but it was it was remastered, so it sounds a lot better uh, than the original that we had. Uh, unfortunately, when you have a line recording, there's a lot that's missing because you know what's what's being um, you know uh, what's coming through the system is generally bass and vocal anything that's directly through the system. So the guitar doesn't, you know, you it, it would be great if the guitar was louder, but at least in the, in the Feelys wild Canadian world. Um, and I would imagine a lot of bands, um, the guitars aren't mic'd all that much, you know, they're mic'd, but. They're, they're loud enough without the, being mic'd. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not coming through the sound system as much as other things. That that's why when I do a bootleg for a band, um, I I tap I, I do two, uh, two lines off of the soundboard, right? Two mm -hmm. XLRs into my mixer. Um, nice little task cam jobby right here, you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> four channels with with two stereos mics for the uh, for the audience feed, and I so I do an audience feed and the two. XLR off the soundboard, usually to try and get as much of that as you, you know, this is an all-in-one bootleg system right here, and I love it. So yeah. uh, it didn't have that when you guys played Hamburg. No, no and it was probably a cassette. 
I think originally. Oh wow! Yep. Yeah, yeah. Tapes and vinyl are so sexy. They just always, you know, I have just like all of it just all around me. I have all this. If you were to see everything I had, you'd be, you'd think, wow, he's, you know. But um, so you remastered it and put some live in there on the record store day release. So that's right. That's and, very and enticing. Also, Please continue. And also, also um, six, right? There's at least six demos that were recorded before we recorded the album in the studio. Okay, and what songs were those? Because there's this other record here about, um, that I really enjoyed as well. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But please, Feed My Drug Habit. Talk about... Uh... <laughs> so, so yeah, so we recorded the demos on a Tascam reel-to-reel, a quarter-inch, the Tascam 388. Oh, wow. That, uh, Very sexy, all yes. All okay. in one reel-to-reels with a mixing board attached and weighed yes. about 1,000 pounds. Yeah, and we moved it from place to place, but we, uh, so the, all the songs that we demoed ended up on the album, right? Okay. Yeah, so it's got Dodger Blue, it's got um, Susquehanna, Rising Tide. Rising, okay, you're, you're, you're hitting all the, the great numbers here that I, I want to talk to you about, so keep talking. Susquehanna, I think. Yeah. Susquehanna was a great song, um, loved it. Lights are on. Okay, geez, you're you're hitting all the all the gems. That I mean, that this whole record tricycle was was a masterpiece. But I'm like, I want to ask you about. Oh, well, they just mentioned that song. You just mentioned. Okay, so um, uh, make my job so much easier. Uh, so let's see. All right, Brenda, you are bass and vocals, right? right. And and Chris, you are. Drums, vocals, backing vocals, uh, some percussion, but mostly just drums and vocals. Okay, and Rich, then you would be guitar and everything else. Right, so on, on Tricycle, one or two songs have some organ on them that I just, really simple parts. Um, we were just a three-piece back when we did this album. Okay, because actually, yeah, on that note, I'll get to that in a second. Um Again, your your publicist sent me this and said, what do you think of these guys? And I was two songs in and just, I was in love with it. It was just, <laughs> and then I went and binged and then I listened to the Superbus stuff. And mm -hmm. I found some concert you guys did at uh, uh, some, uh, a local club just recently or in the last probably seven or eight oh, years oh, there. Rent party? Tyrannies or yeah, rent party. Uh it was just one where you did like a St. Elmo's fire and oh, uh, that was Weckerfest. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you did Blue Moon, St. Elmo's Fire, and what was that yeah. like? I was like it was in August, there was a blue moon. So everything we did mentioned the, the St. Elmo's Fire which is the blue August moon. We did right big stars blue moon and we did uh moon dog did those three moon dog right and in in uh that that's the, okay so i'm just gonna say that chaotic the 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 sand almost fire on there was so much fun obviously it was someone just turned a camera on and record you you know there's a bootleg of you out there right okay yes yeah, we've seen yeah, it. Yeah. yeah yeah and it sounded like a chaotic version of cowboy junkies just having fun the, by the time they get you went on the guitar i was like oh my god this is like the Timmons family would be jealous at how fun this sounds. <laughs> you well, know, that was just a crazy night. 
of music. It was well, what, what was what was so crazy about it? Record fest. So was it this time of year at, at a bar or something? No, or? it was Dave Weckerman. It was Wecker yeah. Fest. Oh, oh, Wecker Fest. Oh, yeah. I, is it okay? All right, all right. My Dave bad. Weckerman. Weckerman. It was his show, and he he joined us. He's the one that. Oh wait, he's 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 in all those songs. No, he didn't blue moon with us, but he did the the howling and other mm -hmm. odd noises in in a moon dog, and, and he sang yes. the Eno tune. Yeah. So, so I, okay, okay, go I think on. It was please. a friend of Dave who came up with the idea of having a Wecker Fest. So Dave Weckerman Wecker Fest, and so bands associated with him uh, played. It was in Booton, New Jersey. Okay. Um, at a place where you had to get on the stage to go get to the bathroom in the back. Yeah. It was very, you can see very people, 1980s, yeah. 70s, 80s-ish. Very DI. Um, so Speed yeah. the Plow played as well. Well, you, you would see it on the on the, uh, on the the bootleg. So that was a one-off Weckerfest show. I just put it on because I was like, because, you know, I'll, I'll do a deep dive. I'm like, let's see what these guys got on YouTube. Hopefully somebody got a bootleg. <laughs> Oh, that looks fun. And <laughs> it, it was totally chaotic, which again, like you said, DIY, and it sounded just great, you know, but it's, yeah. it was probably just a lot of fun too, right? Like, okay, we'll rehearse for a week and then tear it up, I right? Don't think we ever, no, that was, that was <laughs> the first together. time we played those songs with Dave, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I remember like when we were doing Moondog, he was, how I was actually scared he was he was like really so into it and he was like howling and making you know if you know that song there's mm -hmm. like there's intermittent howling in it he just howled through the whole song, thing, the whole song. so so the cast was real then it wasn't like the, the cast in that recording was very real it wasn't like this is okay wow like yeah, it just no, no, no pretension it just it, that's just how it how it flowed wow gosh so okay so you're in hoboken right um the town where hudson hawk is from okay bravo all right <laughs> so if, you, if you guys remember that movie hudson hawk right that was what that was the the joke that uh he said he was from hoboken and that was what put hoboken on the map supposedly and uh, well bugs bunny did yeah. actually back in the 40s Bugs, yeah, Bugs Bunny when he rescues the, the little uh, the, the penguin. Penguin. The penguin. That's and then right. He's trying to get it to the North Pole or South Pole. Yeah, and that's right. He must have got a Hoboken. Bugs Bunny says Hoboken in New Jersey. That put it on the map. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my yeah, my grandfather actually was a hobo, and he was he, anywhere along the railroad line. He was, and I, and I know it's got the biggest railroad line in the in the country, the the yard there. So I'm pretty sure he went through there several times. If I did a 23 and Me, I probably have relatives between here and Hoboken all over the place because of that, you know. So, but I I actually used to work for a company in Oceanport, so I would uh, get out at Newark and drive down. I'm like, oh yeah, Hoboken, Lodi, Weehawken, all those places. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um. But uh, again, the, the the best you you guys I put you up there with Tom Waits and and the Boss Man, right? Because you wow. know, like, well, you know, um, even wow. even a notch above Bon Jovi, you know, um, current or previous Bon Jovi, 
Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, you would ask that. Wait, he put something new out? He no, got me. Oh. no, no, no. Uh, sorry. No. <laughs> so, okay. um, strike that. <laughs> but I, um, okay, so you guys had this, and, and I guess so, Brenda, you just decided, okay, Feelies, I'm going to go and do this for a while, right? And you, you had this, like, Americanist version vibe of the cranberries would be oh. like you you just had that feel to I was like it sounds like if the cranberries had an American version that was what you guys were like oh interesting wow yeah. well it go ahead Chris no that is a very interesting vibe to it all wow kind of blown away by that that and you sounded a lot like I mean, very current to that time, like the wedding present. I don't know if you know who the wedding present are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. What? So, like the cranberries meets the wedding present, gone all Americanist, man. And that's such a a great mix of, of sound. But it, the fact that you guys know the wedding present means you're real musicians, right there. Well, you know, admittedly, we were not that aware of the wedding present until quite quite recently so and then we re we realized hey this this kind of sounds like love you know, loved it yeah Fell we love with the sound well I, I they were around back when we were around because I, I remember i remember the band and i but i you know i couldn't tell you what they sounded like but i but i knew we liked them and and so like rich said you know one one good thing that came out of this pandemic was that there was plenty of time and I wouldn't wish a pandemic on anyone just to be able to have time to delve into music, but that that was the silver lining on um, on that whole lockdown was, you know, we discovered bands like uh, Wussy and um, Stutter Steps, uh, Sound Carriers, Woods, uh, Wedding Present, Wilco, they, a lot of them start with W for Wilco, but did the deep dive. We did the deep dive into into Wilco. Yeah, we yeah, we were just playing Wedding Present the other day. We didn't and, and we actually I guess we you know you kind of know about a band, but I, I didn't really get any of the records back in the day. And I don't Chris, did you? Were you just yeah. uh I'm a big wedding present fan. Also Cinerama. Do you oh, right. That's an offshoot present. I know. Oh my God. You are you're like, you know Cinerama, man. Okay. Yeah. Like I I've been a fan of them for well, wedding present forever, right? And then when they came through Boston, when I was living there in 2000, they came and played a show and uh as Cinerama. And no wedding present, which was fine because Cinerama still had a, a very good, you know vibe they're a wonderful band and uh i just was there and i just said to him hey do you guys cool if people record your concerts are like oh yeah man we love that go for it so i turned oh. on a video camera and i filmed them and wow. yeah. david gedge did a uh, quite a few of those pandemic shows on facebook yes that I really yeah mm -hmm. gedge is gedge is amazing he is such yeah. a great yeah and he's a great guy too you know he's just a terrific guy and they but, did a few recordings from home too, didn't they? With the, everyone in, in their own homes playing. Yes. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, but we, yeah, we 
just fell in love with them and put, you know, always oh, nice to game, meet other but, wedding present well, fans. Really, the, it is. The, the jubilation in in all the playing is just, oh man, it could lift mountains. You know, whether whether you're listening to the guitars or or bass or drums, it's just, yeah. It's, it's wow. There's yeah, one it's song on Bizarro. Um, I, I can't remember the name. It's not Kennedy, but it's a song. It's very long and, and it's just, it keeps going and going and going with this chord progression. And the first yeah, time we heard it, we were like, we, when I like music, I start, it makes me laugh. I don't know if that's strange, but like if I hear like a, like a great guitar part, it makes me laugh. And the, like, it was just building and building. And I was like, how much more are they going to do? And it just kept going. And it was like, probably the- Was it the one at the very, very end, like the last one? Because it opened with Brass Neck, which was a, yeah. just a- No, I'm going to say it's fourth or fifth or sixth in. Um, but we uh, what have I said now? Because uh, that's the long one with the the, the big buildup that just keeps grinding. Yeah, yeah it must be, just... it must be that one. Yeah, yeah. and we're just smiling and like, like I said, I, I tend to laugh when music moves me. <laughs> it, it's totally feel good music, yeah. yeah the, the wedding yeah. present, yeah. So I, oh Chris, and you even know Cinerama, man. Like, okay, you guys are totally music geeks. Okay, it is. It's awesome to be meeting That's you a good guys. Definition. Oh yeah, no, they're. But uh, I, again, like cranberries meets the wedding present, the American version, right? That was how I would describe uh hmm. well carnation but this this record itself um obviously you really nailed the zeitgeist of 1994 even though i didn't live in america at the time it just felt wonderful to listen to this record and like how was it going back listening to it now doing the remastering or whatever was it like oh there's that that mess there or whatever and how did it feel doing this because uh I mean, me just going through it first time just recently was just, I mean, okay, feelies and then this. I was like, oh, if they're the feelies, man, I'm I'm on this, you know, whatever it is. I would love to hear it. But this record itself, uh, just talk about, yeah, just putting this together and how it is to listen to it now after so many years. Yeah, why don't we do one at a time? Sure, is, go ahead. You want to go? Yeah, you know, so we we kind of listened to it from time to time anyway. So it's not like we forgot about it. You know, like we, if you, you you add a song to a show, you might go back and listen to it because you haven't played it in a while. So I think throughout, throughout the years, even though it's been, you know, a while, um, we've always kind of listened to it on occasion. Um, but um, yeah, I guess like listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, maybe we repeated that one thing a little too many times or, but no, it was overall, it's kind of, kind of proud of it. I think it's a, uh, and I keep thinking, you know, we were kids. We were kids when we did that. And we were not. We weren't really, but we were, as a band, we were kids. Right, yeah. <laughs> but you had all been in other bands before that, though. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. And, and together yes. before Wild Creation. Okay, so Chris, your opinion on it, on, on going back over it this many years later? Well, it, with with the mastering... The gentleman who originally mastered Tricycle mastered a ton of other indie bands during that time. And all of the bands that he mastered, you know, he had his his patented sound, but 
for a lot of bands, it didn't work well 30 years later. And I think for Tricycle, it, it didn't work poorly. I, I always loved Tricycle, but the first time I heard Tricycle remastered, I was absolutely blown away and I thought, this is the way it should have always been. And I'm really kind of uh, enthused about how other people are going to perceive it too. If if it was so apparent to me versus the CD, I would think it would be so apparent to everybody else, the, the difference in what a remaster can do to a record. Okay. Well, I am going to go buy the vinyl if it shows up at the local shop. I'm going to be next week, right? Because this record store. And by the way, I hate going to record stores because they do such a dent to your credit card. It's like mm. just vinyl sexy gotta buy it you know um, <laughs> yeah we we have no room in our house for one more record there's just no more room <laughs> i have a wedding present collection of about 23 pieces all are all have been signed oh, oh wow. wow yeah i'm, I'm like <laughs> i'm like making that, you make room I, for that I, i'm that kind of guy right it's 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 a terrible addiction and yeah so your turn brenda talk about it with the kitty cat in your lap yeah, yeah. Oliver has joined the conversation. Uh, so the the longest story of why why now, like you you were talking about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Feelys played at the Colony in Woodstock, New York, and in the audience was uh, someone who owns Pine Hill Records, and he bought he went to the merch table and bought both. No. Uh, so Tricycle has been out of print. We don't have that many copies. So he bought um, he bought Superbus, and um, but he had tricycle. no. Yeah, he had Tricycle. Yeah. Okay, let's just say he bought both. Yeah. Um, and fell in love with, especially Tricycle. Couldn't figure out why he had never heard of it or never heard it before, and he was just blown away. So he reached out. Uh, he reached out to me, and said he wanted to put it out. Um, so then we contacted, uh, Delmore recording because they had put out the original. So, you know, so this is almost 30 years later that it's just been sitting around and going out of print. And then now we have two record companies interested. Um, so we went with, with Delmore, although Pine Hill is going to be putting Superbus out on vinyl in the fall. Uh, but we went with, with, um, Delmore because our, our original contract was with Delmore and we figured, well, uh, any any tapes or whatever, anything that's around, probably Delmore has them. But it turned out that we couldn't find any of the tapes, any of the original, or at least, I mean, that, that we could use and just master easily. Uh, so we ended up using, uh, you know, digital tracks um, so then it was, it was mastered by Scott Anthony of, uh, okay. Um, story story yeah. and, um, so we had, we had some requests, like, can you bring this up a little bit or that, and a little tweak on the vocal here and there. Um, so he mastered it. Uh, we listened, it was, it was great. I think there was just one or two minor minor things um but that was ultimately like the sound and then when we heard um the test pressing 
it was exactly the way Scott mastered it. Like that, that blew me away. Like that we A-B'd test it. pressing. Yeah, we were A being yeah. through the stereo. You could not tell the difference between Scott's mastering and the vinyl. Right. We oh, had wow. the so we didn't lose. I guess the fear was, oh, what are we gonna lose because it's on vinyl? And it is exactly the way that the digital remastering um sounded so that was yeah you see that's that is so what okay i'm gonna just interject first of all that record does have that effect on people like why have i never heard this god this is amazing because (laughs) happened to me too right um but yes what what a lot of people understand is yes an analog recording going to vinyl is usually what's going to keep it the sexiest right although digital is is great and it's preserved forever but yeah, like you said, you're always afraid of what you're going to lose getting it to the on the lathe and the test pressing. Mm-hmm. And you're not the only artist who said, oh, man, I don't know what this vinyl is going to sound like. And sometimes they don't turn out that great. But uh, others, they say, wow, it always, you know, because, yes, vinyl is always sexier. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I if, if you were to see my vinyl behind that Quebec flag, you would see just. 3000 i have so i i have actually yeah let me ask you this rumor had like i read one article about you because you actually toured with the stranglers right did you actually open for those guys we opened we did and that they asked us if we were professional i remember remember that it was great yeah Yeah. i i I think it was jj jj burnell yeah the other french guy yeah after we played, I guess it was after the show, he came into our dressing room and said, are you professional? Are you? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty it was professional. Cool. What? I, I love the Stranglers in 78. So, I mean, it wasn't with Hugh, but it was still... right it was with Paul. Yeah. Back in like, yeah, yeah. Paul picked up it. Yeah. It, but it was, it was, it was so good. It was so good. We've opened up for a lot of good people. Yeah. I I saw the list. I'm like Baruch Salt. Okay, yeah. that's a bit odd. But the Stranglers, that would have been an honor. Um, Bare naked ladies, right? Okay. So we, I, I just like my my Strangler stories are really funny because I, I, I had to go and see them with Paul, the new lead singer, and get him, get him, get get JJ and and. And everyone to sign my uh, Dave, who who passed. He was he died from COVID. The keyboardist. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, Dave Winfield. He died from COVID. But they all signed all my stuff, and then I had to go and meet Hugh Cornwell later and have him sign it. You know, on a, on a solo tour. But my Stranglers collection is signed by all the members of the band. It just took me having to to hop around to do that. But that must have been a lot because like, I saw them on that tour in '93. And when when they just picked up the new lead singer, who sounded like Hugh, but he didn't quite have it. You know, he wasn't quite. Paul was great live, but you know, he wasn't Hugh Cornwell. You know, it's, you open your eyes, you're like, ah, and he didn't have it live the way that that Hugh could have delivered it. So that was my only complaint about those shows. But uh, um... we opened for Jonathan Richmond. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> Luna. Luna. The bats. the bats twice. The bats, yeah. Our very first show was opening for the bats. Wow. Jeez. At Maxwell's, yeah. Yeah. So and, Maxwell, I, ah, jeez, we could talk about all that forever. Let Let's jump into the music itself, not just the history, because 
that, that that's the meat of this. Um, I I turned it on and was listening to Rising Tide and was like, damn, this is really good. And it just kept going. And I was like, I wonder, because I've been listening to a lot of Swans and Godspeed, You Black Emperor lately, where sure. they where and and where they're like you'll have music forever i'm like wait is she gonna sing or oh there we go like <laughs> towards the tail end of rising tide right um uh okay but okay the lyrics I, I i got a kick out of them let's see brings you up and turns you around right on top like the bubbles do clutch this sand and the mud of you we all live on the western side it's all um, about being on a california beach okay california the beach. western side meaning you know the western side of the united states Float on top like the turtles do. Hopefully, they have turtles in California. Turtles, <laughs> turtles are everywhere. Think, but, yeah, I think. yeah, so it's all about just picture like uh, on the beach, just being a, a kid and, you know, tumbling around in the waves and body surfing and yeah, all swimming that, yeah. around and, and uh, clutch the sand, the muddy hue. That's like, childhood memory of getting caught in a wave now this mm -hmm. would be the east coast though um jersey and waves. uh yeah you're just kind of turned upside down pushed to shore and your and your finger is just you know like they 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 clutch the sand you're they, sliding around in the mud yeah 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 so what what made you write a song about body surfing like that can i ask uh, i i yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, okay. so they, they were. I, I had a book of of thoughts and lyrics. Some just one line. Some just one phrase. And then, so so Rich would come up with with the guitar parts, which do do have a lot of melody in them. Um, and then I could just hear what it might be about. Um, I, I guess it reminded me of the surf, and then I just kind of went with it. Maybe pulled pulled some things out of my little notebook, and um, yeah. So that song doesn't actually have a lot of lyrics. Um, there are some that are much more wordy. Hmm. Well, that one would also showcase Chris's uh, hook. The, the, the drum just the, the the drum was so so catchy. I'm like, yeah, I got this, and you follow that drum line all the way through right i mean were you did you just i'll just keep playing whatever she wants to sing or because it, it was a, I just everything around that it just had a great like almost hypnotic you know oh yeah this is great just hooks me boom i'm i'm on this song and it it was just a a fun one but yeah chris like t your drum kit in there was your, your drum line was fabulous oh that thanks was. thanks yeah, it just, it goes on forever and uh, it just flows. And we always, whenever we play that song, we always try to remind one another, remember to keep it groovy. Uh-huh. So just gotta be the right speed for it to be that hypnotic. Mm -hmm. So we always try to strive for. Well, it was definitely hypnotic. Cool, okay. For the longest um, time, I just had the beginning that for the first riff and that that was all we had and then just one day that b part the part that ascends just and i was like mm. oh that would fit with rising tide and yeah there there you go <laughs> oh right and i and there was a melody that was floating around in my head since i was a kid and um and it just happened to fit on that i think i used to 
take that melody and try to fit it like on um, on this uh, chord grouping on that you know all the, these ideas and it fit on this one so that was so that was sort of a keeper like yes this melody finally has a home so I, I guess I'll quote JJ Purnell are you professionals <laughs> <laughs> no we're just winging it. <laughs> So no. he he and I actually hung out backstage speaking French, <laughs> talking about just all the other music that we both like listening to. JJ is a really interesting guy. So you know he's French, right? Yes. Yeah. So he and I like I I came back. I went to university in Montreal. I used to live in Paris. Uh, I I guess I you know so my French is my thing. And Brunel and I were having a great time talking. Like all the guy other guys in the band were like, you're. Just two dudes speaking French backstage. He had that new Japanese drummer, and he was like, he was the only guy who could speak Japanese to the drummer too, man. So yeah, JJ's a kick. Really <laughs> love that guy. Um, uh, Dodger Blue. Um, I'm gonna bring up some lyrics. Okay, so this is my thing. I usually figure out what the song is about at the second verse. You know, because that's usually where most people hide the, the subject uh, of the song or, or what it's about is there. Uh, but Dodger Blue, uh, let's see. Most people force their views on me, but do they really see? We were sent forth from our home. This wasn't how I had it planned. Somebody took it from my hands. It, what, what was the metaphor there? It sounds like an exile that somebody was put into. Or what? what's the story there? It's a dark story. Yeah, well, it's about the Dodgers being sold from... Brooklyn and going to LA. That's but, what it was about for but, real. It was a metaphor. Metaphorically speaking. There, yeah. there was a, a review of the of Tricycle when it came out in in you know back in '94. And I don't remember who uh who wrote the review, but he said um something about this is as much about the breakup of the feelies as baseball as it is about baseball. And I hadn't realized that. And it was like, whoa, yeah, okay. I mean, I, you can't, I guess you can't totally extract just one thing. You know, your your feelings, your experiences will definitely, you know, be an influence on, on the lyrics that you write. Um, but there is, a, there is a bit more of a backstory to Dodger Blue, um, which Chris, and Rich could fill in on. But when I came into the picture in April of 92, um, the song Dodger Blue already existed. I mean, most of the, a lot of the songs did already exist um, without lyrics or, or melody, um, but Dodger Blue did have a title. That was the one song that had a title. And People I forced their views like, on me, but do they really see? I mean, that's heavy. Those are some pretty well, heavy it, lyrics well, there, know, but go so ahead. A, a, bit of it, a bit of it is about the, the baseball player's view. And I okay. would think and hope that there were at least some players who felt betrayed. Um, like if, if you reread it and think of the Dodgers being sold a lot more. I don't know anything you. about sport ball, okay? I'm oh, like, no. The field gloves in the ground, like base, baseball gloves. Okay. So from a baseball perspective. Um, so being that the song was called Dodger Blue, the first thing I thought of was, oh, Brooklyn Dodgers, have it be a song about what happened to them when, when the team was sold 
to LA. Because right, you remember also me telling you about my father, who was a big yeah. Dodgers fan. He was very upset when they moved out of New York. So we we lived in New York originally, and yeah, mm -hmm. so that's that was. See, I I just cool. lived I just lived in Boston, and I, I there was one thing that everybody in Boston said was Yankees suck, and that's all I know about baseball. Is you never went to Fenway. I, oh, I went to Fenway. Well, like, okay, now. Oh, okay, okay. So you know about baseball. <laughs> oh, okay, there was Lansdowne Street, which is where all the great clubs were to go and see all the bands play, which was right there at Fenway, right? Mm -hmm. So that was I'd be going to see a show at Fen at 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 uh, at the Avalon or the Axis or whatever. I even met Steven Tyler from Aerosmith on Lansdowne Street three times. Okay. Never once knew I like that they'd be having a, a baseball game right across the street. No interest in it. I'm there seeing a band. But everyone's like, oh man, we just gotta beat the Yankees. That's all they cared about was was beating the Yankees. That's still going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they won. Actually, I heard that they 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 because when they did win, I was living in Ohio at the time. I I, I found out they had just won because I got calls at four o'clock in the morning because my friends didn't have anybody else to call. Mm -hmm. they, they they just went down their phone. We won, we won, and hang and call somebody else, right? So that was when the Yankees lost to Boston that that time, right? But mm -hmm. anyway, what were you guys saying, Chris? Like you guys had the song. Was it more more about the baseball metaphor, or what was the? Uh... Oh yeah, so the oh. song. Go ahead, Chris. You can go. Go ahead. Go ahead. So that so during another thing that we did during the 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 pandemic was it gave us some time to go through our boxes of cassettes that we've you know song ideas or whatever so and i found like a cassette from it was labeled september august september 84 and there there was like this section that was like the birth of like three or four carnation songs 10 years later so that the dodger blue song had been around for quite a while probably like originally 84 just music and then okay. eventually i hooked up with with chris i saw an ad in the Chris, where did you place that? Was it Village Voice or the Aquarian Weekly? I forget. That was at the Aquarian Weekly. And and then we put out an ad in The Voice and found Dave and Dino and started Wow and Flutter. And Wow and Flutter ended. And we put out another ad in The Voice that said influences, I think, REM, uh, The Feelies, Galaxy 500. And... Of all people that answered the ad, Michael Imperioli of The Sopranos answered the ad. Pre-Sopranos, though. Pre-Sopranos. Yeah. And pre-Goodfellas. All the all the New Jersey jokes in there. Um, yeah. Like all the yes, all the stereotypical things that everybody would say. That is really funny. Like that is a story into itself. Yeah, and that was one of the songs that we had, and and he. He named it Dodger Blue and had lyrics for it that um, Brenda really hadn't heard it until just a, yeah, a few so, months ago. Like I said, I that you know, version of it. So knew that that it was called Dodger Blue and yeah. So it, it was a song that I had had for many years and foisted upon people, and it just ended up you know I didn't you know. I, but but we do have a uh, a copy of Michael Imperioli's version right. with Chris and rich right from 92 90 nine i think it says 90. oh 90 okay no so, way a second uh, wait yeah 90 because then came wow and flutter yeah and wow and flutter uh <laughs> kind of dissolved in february of 92 
and then while Carnation and we didn't have a band name. I mean, we we didn't know we were going to be calling ourselves Wild Carnation. Um, it was just you know, it was the three of us and another guitar player for a little bit, but it was basically Chris and Rich and me um, working on songs. And so the name, the name stuck, and Brenda was inspired to write baseball-related, metaphorically, baseball metaphoric baseball lyrics. Breakup of a band based on Dodger. Moving a team. The name. Dodger. Right. Oh, yeah. Like what was that? Uh, what was that Milos Forman movie about? The he always writes movies about psych wards. Um, uh, with Michael Keaton in it, and there's the one guy who all he could do is speak in baseball metaphors, like Dream Team or something like that. Um, the, yeah. Milos Forman, you know who he is, right? He did one flew over the cuckoo's nest and all that, oh, okay. but he did the, this movie with Michael Keaton. But there was a guy who all he could do is speak in baseball metaphors, and <laughs> and so you're making me think of that. It was a comedy. It was like Cuckoo's mm -hmm. Nest was a, a little bit too dark. He took the mm -hmm. same ideas, same crazy you know, idea, you know, but. Uh, so, but I'm like, oh, baseball metaphors. That's pretty funny. All right. Um, I would miss most of them, you know, just because I just, I would, sorry, you know, I'm not a baseball fan, but. Um, if we could segue for one moment. Um, yes. Speaking of songs with metaphors. So on Superbus, there's a song called Slingshot Round the Sun. I thank you. Which, okay, which fine. Star okay. Trek metaphors. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you want metaphors, that's, you know. There you least, all right. Metaphors. Okay. So why all, don't we just do that? Superbus is a great album. No, it's, no not even metaphors. It, it's, yeah, it's it's literal. Star those Trek. aren't metaphors. Those are stolen exactly straight out of right. Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a metaphor. It's like it's literally from Star Trek. So like, okay, slingshot, slingshot around the sun. I assume you stole that from the 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 voyage home or whatever the one after search for search for Spock where they yeah had the, and the whole you know warp factor the, nine, right. the engines won't yeah. hold and you know right okay 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 okay. So I'm listening to that and I'm kind of laughing. I'm like, okay, that's like your. You're you're out on your own. Out of the void comes a great ship, thrown like a toy. What right? I'll. There was this like grand funk railroad underlying of the storytelling in that, <laughs> sounding like Iron Butterfly. Right? The, the music. So when you were talking about the organ pieces, that one had it right. That had the the whole psychedelic organ yeah. in there. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm like, those lines are stolen straight out of Star Trek, man. These are like. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of old cap, but I mean, I was like, oh, geez, this uh, slingshot around the sun. That song on the Star Trek, uh, whatever, uh, I don't know what group, you know, uh, internet group. The Star Trek and, nerd uh, circuit, yes. Got tossed off immediately. <laughs> yeah. We weren't allowed to say, hey, there's a song that. As a lot Actually, of we, Star, we, Star didn't, Trek. we didn't do it. An acquaintance, so, of, an acquaintance, an acquaintance of ours. Yeah. But who, are, are, who, are, who are you guys Star it? Trek fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, okay. You know, we know it's it's yeah. Because like I'm I well, my I'm I'm a big Dune fan. Like I, I think Dune like Star Wars and Star oh, Trek Dune, yeah. they stole everything from Dune. Oh yeah, discussions over mm -hmm. with, right? You know, I go, oh well, I'm a real sci-fi fan. I already Dune, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to see the the, the latest uh, movies or or series or whatever of Dune because the the 1980s with with Sting and that that was like, yeah. 
I don't think it did the book justice, but no, um, it did not. But yeah, how could you? A, a yeah. newer version of it. Yeah. Deemed. Yeah. So I, I, well, I, okay. I, I teach, um, I teach computer forensics for the New Jersey Institute of Technology. And, oh. uh, so that was also another joke is I'm like, where are you at? Oh, I'm down it. And they're like naming off these. I'm like, it still don't know, you know, but, uh, but it, it always comes up. I'm like, no guys, Dune is the greatest science fiction ever written done you know i always tell my students that so but um so okay so you did that slingshot around the sun that was great that was a great record i mean that was a fun song super bus was a lot of fun to listen to but that was very different from the the again tricycle aside from you guys seem to have a lot of themes about vehicles and transportations yes in, well, in, yeah. in your music but not intentional, and neither was it. Neither was calling the album "Superbus" intentional. But we realized it's interesting. You picked up that that most every song had to do with travel of some sort, and it was totally un, unintentional. Well, okay, "Road to Bielefeld." Yeah. That, okay. Well, I, that's the story of uh, the tour in Germany. Um, we, yeah, which you missed. <laughs> I've been to Bielefeld, man. I okay, I used so to we, live not far from there. It's not too far from Hamburg, you know. So right, so we went from the airport to getting a van. We, you know, you arrive in the morning because you fly overnight, and right, then we right, right. That night in Bielefeld, that was our first. Um, oh wow! First and then the next night was Frankfurt. And so that that is that's a, a that's a good stretch to drive from Bielefeld traveling. to Frankfurt, man. Yeah. And so by the, 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 there was this, it, you know, it's weather is gorgeous. We have this long ride ahead. Um, and then we ended up, you know, heading through the mountains and it was snowing, snowstorm. Um, traffic is totally stopped dead. There was a, an accident. So, you know, you're just sitting on the Autobahn for hours. Uh, that was before cell phones. So we found a phone. Um, it's snowing on the autobahn and so we called the club and said we would be there but we were stuck in a snowstorm and we did get there several hours late the audience was still there we unloaded set things up played and that was where people were sending drinks forward and stuff yeah. and oh. anything to eat um we played our hearts out it was a wonderful wonderful audience and after it was all over, the um, the club owner, you know, the promoter, um, made us cheese sandwiches, and uh, we were just totally exhausted, but but yeah, very I, grateful. We just we loaded in. in a way that people would wait hours, yeah, to see the band. We just, just loaded into the people standing there in front of the stage. Yeah, go on, Chris. Grilled cheese sandwiches with garlic butter. Oh yeah, this total German man. They uh, yeah, yeah. So you you have a real soft spot in your heart for Germany. Then it sounds like yeah. it sounds like it was. Uh, yeah, I I spent several years there. I speak fluent German. I love the German people. It's yeah, I I get it, man. But you're like Hamburg. You lived there, Bielefeld. Been there plenty, you know. So mm -hmm. I was like, is there some town in the states called Bielefeld? Oh no, you the real Bielefeld in Old Deutschland. <laughs> That's great, man. And then there's some real convoluted, you know, I don't understand it, but a cousin of mine who is a math professor oh, said that there is this 
oh, what are they called? Fron, Fron, um, it's like a program that will generate something that looks like a, a, a frong from a fern. Okay. Some kind of code that will generate, I, I don't know, it, it's beyond my understanding. But anyway, there is a Bielefeld theory or something out there. And oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. But there was yeah. also something about the pattern of the song he was talking about. Like yeah, he was dissecting yeah. the song and saying like mathematically song it produces this pattern. Yeah. And I I just I I don't know. <laughs> well, because that song has some great harmonies in it. Okay. Oh thanks. That was I yeah. Who, whose fault was that? Mine. Okay. I well just, great. There's some great well, harmonies in there. Came up with the ending though, the so the um the, the three parts of that song. The the person. we're talking about the wrong album now. We are talking about okay. Road to Bielefeld. Okay, you had the the great harmonies, and then you had this like underlying, very early till Tuesday sound, not just to the music, uh, to, to the vocals, but to the music. And then something like taking the long way there looks like rain. We've missed the train again. There was the acoustic stuff. But then the grinding guitar at the end, which you were just talking about, right? You said, I'm like, yeah, there were three parts to it. I totally, and then you're like, yeah, there were three. I'm like, okay, talk about that one, please. Aside from now it makes sense. Look like rain. We missed a train again. Obviously you're getting stuck. You're, you're. Mm -hmm. Missed a couple turns. Yeah. It's, it's... Right. Mm -hmm. Just, just a brief story. And we should, we should get back to tricycle though, I guess. We're... <laughs> with, with Bielefeld, the, the, the three sections of that song, musically came from dreams that you know you, you dream of a song but for those three little parts I actually remembered it when I woke up and I went and made a quick recording of it and then just kind of realized they all three went together and that's kind of the basis of that song but it was purely just from from dreams the the whatever the guitar is doing in there and then love all around that was part of that was Tony from Speed the Plow I had singing a, this part. I don't know if I told you this first, but the, the 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 end of that song was a dream that Speed the Plow was playing, and Tony had a tuxedo on and she was dancing with a cane and singing that melody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that's that's where that came from. And, but anyway, uh, let's see the song uh, "A State You're In." Uh, where was that? Like, again, it looked like there's a fan who makes videos of your music out there. Oh, uh, yeah. It, movies. The videos to our songs to movies. Yeah. Yeah. No idea who it is. And okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Because that was really cool. But okay. Like, because that song is probably my favorite song of your guys' work there. Uh, oh, the, the, the state you're in. Mm -hmm. um it just i i guess it kind of encompassed everything it, like if i was to showcase like to say hey everybody this is the song to listen to 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 know what this band is like what's the vibe what is it like that kind of caught all of it right there um what was the point of that one not the video i obviously because i was just some fan making cool fan fiction whatever but um what was that one about? I, I love hearing the backstory to these songs. So if you want to tell me my favorite song of yours. Uh, what, that's uh, uh, kind of love gone sour. You know, I knew your look of dismay. 
you know, this was my day, that's what you said, then, you know, you walk away. No one knows the state you're in, you're here, and then you're gone again, I don't know when. It's like someone who, it's a bad relationship, and nothing to do with rich. It's, Thank you. it's just an imaginary bad relationship. <laughs> uh, a, a, yeah, a, a relationship that is that is deteriorated. So, um, get like wedding present. Get Gedge says I have so much great material off of just see your relationships that I could write every <laughs> album about a bad relationship, you know. And yeah, that's um, it, 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 you know, it goes to a person's core. They can, you know, country music, so much music is about love lost and sad, yeah, stuff like that. And then, and then just a little bit of a pun state you're in. It could be all right. The person's left, and they're you know they've just left the, their love behind, and they're you know who knows what state they're in, or it could be a mental state you're in. It's it's a pun metaphor. Uh, it can be interpreted both ways. Literally, the state like when we would play it live, we'd say this is called the state you're in. You know we know that we're in Iowa right now, or <laughs> we'd say something like that. Um, but it's also uh, emotional state versus literally a united state. So, like, is the joke is to say, you know, like, you know, what state are you in? Oh, I'm a state of anarchy. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've put that on things before, which not sure if anybody thought that was very funny, but I, you know, yeah, um, yeah, it's confusion. Yeah. State of confusion, drunken state. I love that t-shirt. Denial, drunken state. Um, or or they're in uh, New Jersey. Further me. So uh, the lights are on, but no one's home. It, that's a that's something that we all say a lot. But in in your song called "Lights Are On, No One's Home," right? I could hear you kind of not singing. You're kind of just kind of humming or whatever in the beginning there, Brenda uh but okay who's left alive no one's satisfied no one around here knows so the story goes look inside tried to hide no one's home what what's going on in this song <laughs> uh that what's, might have what been state were you in when you wrote that song that might have been from the old the old she was vocal. in philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> um uh just various lyrics that kind of came together again it could be literally you know the lights are on but no one's home uh but also about a relationship as well um yeah i, I really don't know you know that sometimes the words just flow and 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 they're they're coming out of something you know subconscious but and they can be taken in a literal sort of way or or you can, uh, you know, look for a hidden meaning in them. I'd actually have to get them in front of me and and because um, like your lyrics are very fun to to listen to and try and dissect. If you if you can't tell, I dissect lyrics. I'm always trying to go, okay, what were we, you know? And this one, I was like, man, maybe it's just because I have I have a, a total terrible obsession for zombie movies. Oh, and gosh. and part of mine is like 
I know you're not there anymore, right? You're all just checked out. We're all in survival mode. That's part of it. But the other is, you know, you, you, you walk across, like, just watching The Last of Us lately was one of those, like, all right, people are here, but everyone's just burned out, checked out. You know, mm -hmm. is there anything really going on anymore other than the very basics, you know, keep breathing and keep the lights on me? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's definitely desolation in there. The the Isabella part was just I just heard the name Isabella should be there and I and I I have a memory of of just writing down Isabella and then figuring out the overlapping so I guess the demo I think the demo was just very on the fly the overlapping of the Isabella parts and then when we went into the studio. Then there was, okay, now we've got to like figure it out. And I had this chart of, you know, um, track one and track two of vocal, which, which is going to do which. So it, it took a little sorting to figure out to get those parts the same as on the, on the demo. Um, but sometime later, years later, I realized or found out that my grandmother's middle name was Isabella. See, there it was lurking around. And and then and then demo there's Patty Smith with um Isabella Weed. What song is that? Um but there's a Patty Smith song where she where in the lyrics there's Isabella. So that might have been kind of it's just a it's a very cool name. Yeah. So that might have been in there. And then realized that it was my grandmother's uh middle name. And then you just threw Patty Smith in there. God, you guys are awesome. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, we all love Patty. Like, you know. Oh, like... I got to meet her when when we uh, when the Feelies played um, Carnegie Hall. There was an REM tribute. It was a fundraiser. Okay. Yeah. And um, and she was one of the the artists there, and I got to meet her, and man, that was that was a highlight. Well, it it would be like for me, like I saw her in in Boston <laughs> twice, and once was at the Paradise Theater. You probably oh, played yeah. there, okay. right? Yeah, small, wonderful, intimate venue, and Patty was there in everybody's face because that's she feeds off of you. She needs to be in mm -hmm. your face, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was great. And then she played mm -hmm. a year later at the Outdoor Festival, and there was a gap of twenty feet between her and the stage. I'm a bit, sorry, between the stage and the punters, you know, and she did not like that. And she, she yelled at the photographers and called them F-bombs and chased them out and all that. But you love her for that, right? But she was like, I need to be in your face and I can't be there right now. And I missed that. You know, she said that to us. So, yeah, but the fact that you got to meet Patty, I'm like, oh, that's, you know. So, are you professionals? Yeah, you guys. Are. So, just a, another tie in here. Uh, one of the bonus tracks with Tricycle from the German show is uh, our co our covering uh, Dancing Barefoot. Oh, okay. right. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, right. no, it's That's on there. Yes. It's there. Okay, yeah. I'm totally I'm totally gonna score this record when it shows up there. I did better and, and be the, there next yeah, week, and the, but and the Hamburg show, um, you can really feel the and hear the energy I mean we're playing things faster and and there's just a lot more strumming and you know you, you can just hear the the adrenaline mm. coming through which is which is pretty cool 
And the demos, I think the demos are a little bit more in the pocket feel wise. I, I think when we went to, when we recorded it professionally, we lost a little bit of that pocket, that feel that, you know, it was a little less laid back. Um, so what I love about the demos is that it's, it just, there's this, it's just, to me, it, it, it sounds a little more organic. Like we were relaxed and just playing and not worrying about the cost of it, you know? So is Germany on the, on the tour stop here again? Do you, I mean, like, aside from your well, love they, of they Germany. Want them back, you know. <laughs> we think about it. What was that, Chris? We think about it all the time. So I, I'm sure they'd love to have you back the way you guys talk about that place. Sounds like yeah, that was, you know, those are two fact, amazing shows. Yeah. In fact, uh, I, I kind of took the ball and ran with it in um, 20, it was either 2018 or 2019, thinking, wouldn't it be great if, like, Speed the Plow, maybe, and, and and wild carnation if we could get well there the feelies speed the plow wild carnation we've been sometimes we're called you know hoboken bands but sometimes we're also called um held in bands held in new jersey because that's where most of the feelies lived or live and speed the plow members as well um so i thought wouldn't it be great if we could just get a tour together and do like you know 10 shows in europe and and it took a while to get anything off the ground you know it's a lot of time spent going from promoter to promoter and then we were told well it was you know the world soccer world, world cup yeah whatever and no one's going to go to your shows like you don't want to come over and tour that summer <laughs> so so think about 2020 you know and then we all know what happened in 2020 so this it really like of all the years to try to put something together or get some, you know, get it rolling, and then a pandemic comes along. It, it was just yeah, a, a once in a in a millennium experience, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the, the last time we had one like that was four hundred and thirty six. If you really want to know that, um, I'm a history buff. So, uh, let's see the song "Scarf Dance," mm -hmm. right? Um, okay, I. What's that? It's inspired by the book Stuart Little. Okay. So, because, like, for me, I was like, well, like, the, the, okay, I know the song or just the dance of the seven veils. All my, all my Arabic friends, they all have their own version. There's a Tunisian, Moroccan, Iraqi, you know, everyone has the dance of the seven veils. But you're kind of describing that in here. I, okay, now you say Stuart Little. Okay, I read the book. Yeah. Um, uh yeah okay i don't even need to bring up the lyrics changes time changes tune play new chord you know play, play new chord tells new words uh Stuart little you, let's you hear it seven veils if you like I, I think that's more interesting and it's not it's not about the whole Stuart little book it's about just one scene where they mention uh and and she did her it's just it's just one sentence actually we got a I got a whole song extracted out of one sentence where it just says um she did the scarf dance something like that it's just okay uh, um someone played the piano and 
and I don't remember who the character was. The, the, um, and then she danced the, the scarf dance. So I just kind of went with that and, all right, well, what would the music have been like, you know, on the piano? Um, but yeah, just one sentence from Stuart Little. So you guys nerd out like me a lot, don't yeah, you? you? Yeah, you, you, was a favorite, a favorite book. Yeah. Well, actually, Charlotte's Web, even more so. Oh well, I okay. I'm like, yeah, I've read that. Yeah, I read that. Um, so, uh, just if if you like, for because for me, I thought that was really interesting because I know the dance of the seven veils to. 12 different types of drums and a hurdy-gurdy and stuff like that being played right in there and mm -hmm. so that's where i was like it, it's a different take on it um could have been talking about the scarf dance for all the seven veils in, in that story from Stuart little right i okay. that's an interesting piece there i'm sorry i've got i've got the quote from Stuart little um yeah let's see if this link is going to work come on come on come on Uh, but okay, I guess they're talking about the piano. But anyway, the key got the key stuck and was a great inconvenience to anyone trying to play the piano. It bothered George, particularly when he was playing the scarf dance, which was rather lively. It was George who had the idea of stationing Stuart inside the piano to push the key up the second it was played. <laughs> this was no easy job for Stuart as he had to crouch down between the felt hammers so that he wouldn't get hit on the head. Uh, and then it's so exciting inside the piano, dodging about, and the noise, the noise was quite terrific. Um, and he would, uh, I'm just paraphrasing here, um, Stuart would emerge quite deaf, as though he had stepped out of an airplane after a long journey. So, so Scarf Dance is just, it's the name of a song that George was playing, and Stuart had to jump inside the piano to and work one of the keys. It mentions that it's lively, and the song gets faster and faster and yeah. faster and faster. And but as a just like the dance of the seven veils, it uh, yeah. gets faster. Like, <laughs> like wow, that that that's a nice little piece of culture there. So, and and you've walked out of gigs, I'm sure, feeling much like Stuart Little did, uh, half deaf <laughs> yeah. after the. Yeah. Uh, but but there was no uh, when I when I um, so for Delmore, I was asked to write about each song where where the lyrics came from, and in in this song, Scarf Dance. Um, the lyrics are, and dances round, and the dances round, and the piano sounds its swirling song. So I just used the name Anne, and I thought I should research this because I don't remember the characters' names, and there is no Anne in this particular scene. But the fourth member to join Wild Carnation is Anne. So this was written well before Anne arrived on the scene. And she, and played, she played the piano. And she played the keyboard. So, I don't know. Wow, a lot of serendipitous <laughs> moments in this band here. Um, so uh, let's see, uh, we're, we're coming on time. Is there a, a tour planned? Uh, what do you guys got? Or are you going to try and do it this time around? Or uh, what's the... Uh... Chris smirked. Shows. What was that? Go ahead. What was that? Probably select shows here and there. Uh, Jersey City. We're we're doing an in store for a tricycle. 
uh, two weeks from today in Red Bank, New Jersey at Jack's Music Shop. Okay. A very old school record store music shop in Red Bank, New Jersey. And that'll be our first show in about four years. But yeah, we'll be playing shows to support the record. And and then we have Superbus coming along. So I'm sure there'll be shows to support Superbus as well. I don't know quite a tour other than uh, the hope of a, of a German tour. But there'll be shows around here and there. Okay. Well, yeah, it we're does. Open, we're open for bookings. You're, you're open for business. Okay, you're open for bookings because I like again that that bootleg video of you guys really made me want to see you guys live. That right there, it just was fun. Like, I mean, and 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 now that you're saying, well, they actually practiced the songs. We just kind of <laughs> did them. I was like, man, because it was sounded <laughs> sounded so much fun. That okay, you guys are definitely a great live act and then the way you're saying that the germans yeah they waited five hours to see him wow that, they, they uh they 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 really gave it to you man so uh i yeah put another german tour together that would be fabulous um yeah we would like that so uh i i don't know any promoters in germany otherwise i'd be on the horn mm -hmm. trying to light it up for you I, I know plenty of people there but no promoters i'm sorry but uh, and right now it's only being released in the United States, so if, if there is uh, um, a distribution deal that's signed, um, I mean that was why we went, we went to Germany because uh, Zensor, which is a German uh, distributor, um, so it, it was Zensor put it out under their label under contract from Delmore. Um, so you know it was a the it was available in Germany, um, so it made a lot of sense to go there and promote it. Cool. and uh we'll see, you know we'll see if any distribution is picked up and take it from there well good luck on that then everybody um what what do you want me to play us out with by the way i'm playing i'm opening us up with stage room. what what do you want me to play us out with i mean the whole they, they there's so much good stuff to choose from so a song but, from uh, the album to go out with yeah um, what song uh the lights are on is one of my favorites Okay. Okay, then what I'll play. What do you? I'll go with lights are on. Sure. Okay. A second that emotion or third. Third <laughs> that, that emotion. emotion. That emotion. And it's, and it's the flip side to Dodger Blue, which was ahead of yeah. Tricycle, was a, a a single with Dodger Blue as the A side and uh, um, lights are on as the B side. The, the demos recorded. Yes and. Brenda is we have we have a copy of it handy and she's getting it right now so we can show you what it's okay <laughs> so that that's the uh yeah oh wow that's uh, yeah. a seven inch there yeah then, beautiful uh, yeah so this wow. is our first um that's recording that with Delmore. little picture of us there is playing in Coney Island oh yeah at the what was that what's that Side shows by the seashore. Side shows, yeah. Right, the Luna song. Yeah. On Coney Island. There, well, there again, were a bunch Luke. of photos uh, that we um, put got to uh, Delmore. So I don't know if anyone's sending photos along, but they are they are out there, or they will be out there, in, including live some live uh, shots. I remember that show being extremely hot. 
It was. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? It was like it was one of the summer days, summer that year. Yeah, it was a great place though. Yeah. Wow, I I I've been to Coney Island. Had to do my Lou Reed pilgrimage. Um, like you know, like I mean, oh. Lou, Coney. right? You know. So what was that, Chris? Coney Island baby. You you know, Lou Reed is the god of rock and roll. There's no uh, no one will argue that point. Um, you know the other Coney Island baby, the the one from the fifties. No, there's only Lou. That's there's only oh, Lou there's Reed. Another <laughs> there's another Skywalker. <laughs> oh, there's another Skywalker. <laughs> Yeah, there's a pre-more deep he was uh you know another house of tradies out there um so all right everybody thank you guys this is welker nation brenda chris rich thank you for your time guys i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and the record um playing us out with the lights around but nobody's home any other famous great last words you want to give us Thank you so much for having us on your program. Uh, it's been a it's been a blast talking with you. Yeah. Oh, it's great getting just that. Like the, the, my my job's easy. I listen to the music. I love it. I get a billion questions, and I I get to ask. I get to know what these songs mm -hmm. are about. You know where, you know that that's how I started this whole thing. So everybody, thank you uh, again. Wild Carnation, Hoboken's finest, and. Uh, Everybody take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your lives. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, Rich, and Brenda, also known as Wild Carnation, for your time. That was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for uh, letting us use the theme and title of Sticky Jazz. Everybody, it is Record Store Day this next week. So go out and buy lots of vinyl, destroy your bank account, and uh, shell out a couple of bucks to your favorite musicians, all right? So peace, love, and really awesome music. Here we are with uh, the lights are on, but nobody's home. <laughs>